While this podcast contains little to no explicit material, it is sprinkled with some uncensored swears. Listener discretion is advised. Feeling. I still have this, um, this head thing. What the hell is going on here? It's in the air, in the water, in our homes. Oh my god. It cannot be seen, cannot be heard, cannot be stopped. So we can turn it on and off like a switch. We just don't know how to make it go away. Um, it is not alien. Go back! It is not viral. You are perfectly healthy. You might want to consult someone. A psychiatrist. It is not natural to this earth. Your family and friends tell you that you're overreacting. Where can you go when no place is safe? It's out there. Hey everybody! <clears throat> Hello, the the Omniplex is open. We have a movie for you, and it's going to inspire maybe the broadest discussion we've had in a long time. Yeah, yeah, a film for our times. And I'm not not there's not that there's much I can do about. It, but I'm not going to hide too much of the fact that I'm uh, recovering from sickness, but it's thematic. Yes. <laughs> So, strap in. Yes. Today we are covering Todd Haynes' 1995 film, Safe. A film that got a lot of reevaluation last year. Very much so. You do not have to look very hard to find essays comparing it and COVID. Very good essays, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I had to kind of look over uh, Todd Haynes' filmography and realize that this is the first film of his I've seen. See, it's not for me, actually. I'm quite a big fan of his. Yeah. Um, uh, I actually have a, I, I have a shocking number of uh, screenplays, either to movies that he's worked on or to scripts that he just wrote, because I have this, Far From Heaven, and Superstar in a volume. Then I have Velvet Goldmine in a volume. I worship Carol. I I love that film so oh, much. Oh, you did Carol? Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you if you haven't seen it, it is a brilliant film based on the uh, Patricia Highsmith novel. Um, it's 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 an amazing film. And it's funny because I didn't like that movie very much when I first watched it. But then like a few days later, I realized I couldn't get it out of my head. And uh, I revisited it and I just, I love it. Yeah, as for me, I have seen Carol and then uh, his triptych film Poison, which was made before Safe. Yeah. Uh, I'm not there. The Bob Dylan piece is really good. That's another one that's his. Haynes is a really good filmmaker, is the point. Oh, yeah. And I'm glad we're finally getting to him today. So let's just jump right in. Yes. In 1987, Los Angeles, a woman mysteriously succumbs to this illness that cannot be defined. Could it be the chemicals in the air? Or is it something that is inside herself as a result of multiple failed uh diagnoses she reaches out and eventually joins this alternative medical community 
set up in a desert that may or may not be a cult. And that's pretty much it. It's a good description. It, it's very much a film that's kind of a good subject for us to discuss because it's almost not so much about the, the qualities of the film as much as it is the subjects that it then lets us branch off into. Which is not to say that the film is not fantastic. It, it is. It's that it has so many rich threads to pull on, but it has such a simple, basic plot. And it's effective. Oh, yeah. We immediately start off with the long car ride back to the house, which looking at how the titles were done, you could easily make a connection between this and the titles for Mulholland Drive. Yeah, Haynes is very much not someone who is a tourist in this area. No. Yeah, this no. this this is this is a this is a world of California that he knows what he's talking about. Very much so. And the first instance we get of Carol is her doing a little sneeze and it's all downhill from there. I think we really need to uh, note who played Carol because this is a pretty vivid oh, yeah. image for people. Uh, the great Julianne Moore. This was her first, this was the moment where she really first appeared on critical radar. Oh yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cause a few years later she'd be, she'd do uh, big Lebowski boogie nights which i think she i still think she was robbed of an oscar that's right yes her performance in boogie nights was really the first time that i stopped and watched an actress and was like wow this is really insanely good work um i i, I will never understand how she lost to kim basinger for that it's, it's lost on me i i love la confidential basinger phone that thing in but again Moore is such a legend she has done so much work through the years and continues yeah. Operate it. Like recently she is in a Dear Evan Hansen, for better or worse. But she's still there. She's still acting. And she's yeah. still great. No, we're not too many years removed from her Oscar win, which that was long overdue. Which Oscar was that for? Uh, still Alice. Oh, yeah. Which I've heard people say is mid-tier for her performances. That was very much more of a career win. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was the year that Eddie Redmayne won for uh, The Theory of Everything, and uh, now you're going to have to drag me away screaming as I curse. Dang. <laughs> I, uh, I, might, I might really prefer Michael Keaton and Birdman. That's all. That was a good year for Oscars? Yeah, it was actually a very good year. Because Birdman, <laughs> yeah. Won, yeah, Birdman won Best Picture, and I think it deserved it. Mm -hmm. That was also the year of Imitation Game and Grand Budapest Hotel and yeah, Boyhood. Was. And uh, uh, Whiplash. Yes, Whiplash. Whip thank you. I was trying is, very hard to think of that. <laughs> Birdman is probably my favorite of those films, but Whiplash is real close behind. Um, oh, God, yeah. But anyway, tightly, getting back on this film. Let's get back on this film. film. But yes. The point that we're making is more, this was her debut on the scene. She's fantastic in it. It's, it's setting what she's going to do for the rest of her career. Yeah. And like right off the bat, like, even after our introduction, it's immediately a sex scene, and you can you can just tell how removed she is from everything. It's it's very sterile. The actor who plays her husband is uh, the great Xander Berkeley, one of the great modern character actors. And yeah, he's you're right. It's very sterile. It's there's no there's no joy there. There's no love. No. No, there's no joy or love within this marriage. There's a scene later on where it's their stepson, I want to say. Yeah. 
Yeah, there are steps on giving a, a report on the violence in L.A. ghettos and just being absolutely graphic about it. Mm-hmm. And Julian Moore is sitting there wondering what exactly is going on. In the 80s, there are more and more gangs in the Los Angeles Basin, plus many more stabbings and shootings by AK-47s, Uzis, and MAC-10s, killing numerous innocent people. L.A. was the gang capital of America. Rapes, riots, shooting innocent people, slashing throats, arms and legs being dissected were all common sights in the black ghettos of L.A. Today, black and Chicano gangs are coming into the valleys and mostly white areas more and more. That's why gangs in L.A. are a big American issue. Rory White. Good job, Rory. Why does it have to be so gory? Gory? That's how it really is. God. God, I cannot say enough about how much this movie has a sense of time and place that is just frighteningly spot on. I almost want to pause and talk about 1987. We're going to get to the other big thing about 1987, but 1987 was like the peak of greed is good. I want to say Wall Street actually came out that year. It's that era of like the worst of the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Wall Mm -hmm. Street was 87. Yeah, it's peak when everything in the 80s was as curdled. I know The Secret of My Success was the same year. I mean, it is the ultimate age of bullshit, frankly. And it's just, it's a nasty, ugly period in American culture. If you go back and look at it, I mean, the art that came out of it is just, it's one of the most wretched years for cinema ever, frankly. I mean, you you, you go back and you look at it and you're like, wow, that was bad. But So it's it's an interesting period. And uh, I think that choosing 1987, because it is that curdled moment where the worst of the 80s excess was just right there on the surface, it's brilliant. Also, the whole gang thing, that almost feels more like a reaction to where it was going on in the culture at that moment. Because that's the same, this movie came out the same summer as Dangerous Minds, for example. So white people were talking about gang violence, and we really should not have been. No, especially with uh, how removed that entire family is from that area. Because, make no mistake, this this is a very rich, high-class area that they're in. Where the struggles of the day are literally, the couch is the wrong color. And so for Haynes to go in there and to say, hey, wait, we really, no, no, let's not do this. In a moment where Holly, white Hollywood was like, we really need to be doing this. It's 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 beautiful satire. So I just had to bent on that because I have a lot. I, I have a lot of nostalgia about 1995, and I, lot, I have a lot of anger about how white people talk about this shit. I guess initially, when she's starting to uh, have all of these uh, issues, she goes to her uh, primary doctor, and yeah, he he's just giving her no nothing no no favors really other than you know stay off dairy i really don't see anything wrong with you carol i mean outside of a slight rash and congestion now i'll uh, i'll give you some ointment and some decongestant but uh geez i i, I don't know what else to do are you well what I guess I'm just a little stressed out lately. Uh-huh. And just tired from it? Well, that's not uncommon. Um, you're not doing drugs, are you? N- no. I don't 
take drugs or, or drink or I, I don't even um, like coffee very much. I'm just a total milkaholic, actually. I mean, before the fruit thing. Well, stop the fruit diet. You need protein. And while you're at it, uh, try staying off dairy. Dairy is very hard on your digestion, hard on your intestines. I'll see you in a couple weeks. You'll be fine. Just yeah. kind of, literally just bullshitting any kind of... Any kind of diagnosis. Yeah. It's the idea that the medical system will not do shit for you. Yeah, you're on a new diet, we'll stop that. Yeah. Yeah, because she does go on a fruit diet with a friend just to be... Uh, supportive and to try something new in her life outside of uh whatever's going on in the home and her jazzercise yeah 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 i forgot about the jazzercise oh yeah yeah her (laughs) yeah the initial interaction with her doctor is the first of one of many threads in the film in which uh the medical field doesn't exactly treat women well when it comes to diagnoses historically and currently yes yes i might be a little bit angry about that because of the last two years of my life oh no the fucking same (laughs) no i i I have witnessed this firsthand so many times where i've seen amanda not get believed at all and it's it drives me nuts yeah and given that this was set in 87 it's even worse oh yeah far worse now and made in and made 26 years ago yeah it's it's way worse yeah and then like she then goes on to see like a psychiatrist who also does nothing for her and more or less puts her on the spot in trying to get her to elicit any kind of information and she's just this absolute wallflower of a person um i'm a, a homemaker I'm I'm working on some designs for our house, though, mm-hmm. in my spare time. How long have you been feeling unwell? Um, about two months, three. Um, Are you uncomfortable? No, I I just thought. I mean. Aren't you supposed to ask more questions? Well, no. We really need to be hearing from you. It's it's a very minor performance from Moore. She's very much held back. There's no grand theatrics. It's all restraint. And it's fascinating to watch. Uh, I saw a critic point out that she speaks entirely in like those higher registers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like the way she did it was that she rested on her vocal cords and not used them to create that kind of effect. And it's really kind of jarring because Moore is such a bold, dominant actress. Her career is marked by these very powerful women. And it's, it's, it's to see her pulling that back, it's genuinely disturbing. Not just pull it back, but have her start out like that. Yeah. Exactly. You're exactly. You never. You never see her at. She's not even near her SNL performance. Uh, I would advise everybody go back and find her SNL episode because that thing is art. And then there's the allergy testing sequence, which was all too familiar for me because I was 
that kid who had to, you know, do all those uh, injections and then the weekly allergy shots at the doctors as as a kid because of the pollen and ragweed. Nothing he's really saying in this is exaggerated. Not at all. And it, like, more than one element of the film hits home for me because of my middle brother, too. I don't really talk about much at all, but just other than he's currently uh, under a guardianship from from my folks and a lot of high support needs, a lot of medical issues as well. And like this scene where Moore does like that pharmaceutical cocktail of sorts where she's popping all of these supplements and pills in order to clear her load and midway through the film it's like that that's my brother because he would have a small little dixie cup of stuff that he would have to take every morning and evening i'm like how how can one person live like this when i was recovering from pneumonia that was me was i had to i had to take you know four or five meds and it wasn't fun yeah but four or five that that's feasible i'm yeah, talking exactly. like 20 plus i know i know i know i'm just i'm saying that's that's the closest i've come I, mean, I will grant you that yeah exactly yeah and then also the uh idea of seeking out al- alternative therapies god i've been waiting for us to get to this thread. oh boy because i <clears throat> have borne witness to that this is where I thought this is when I realized that this was something that we were going to talk about on the cast. Now I'd seen the film before, as I said, uh, liked it enough to own the screenplay. Um, but when I remembered that we were going to be coming back to this, I just knew this was going to be a fun subject of discussion for all of us. Okay. Because, uh, well, being autistic and then seeing my parents focus more of their time and energy on the other autistic person who has higher support needs. Um, I have seen them try a number of different things. At one point, they were thinking of doing the hyperbaric chamber for I know my mom has read books by the bitch-in-chief Jenny McCarthy. Oh, boy. (sighs) And has taken some of that advice to heart, which means that my brother, through no input of his own, is put on this highly restrictive diet yeah on on top of all those meds and supplements and if we want to get to the religious aspect because the film does sort of touch on that albeit in the new age movement uh i was dragged to a healing service oh boy well actually multiple healing services mind you and um nothing's changed by the way no, no. Yeah. Absolutely nothing has changed. No, it turns out the fundamental uh, wiring of your brain can't be uh, changed uh, by going to a service like that. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can read all about it in Duh Magazine. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen all, all this shit happen in my own family. And, like, my parents were the kind of people who could actually afford to at least investigate some of these practices because dad is a a steel engineer at one of the big uh, 
steel plants and it has been there roughly since the company's beginning. And so that brings in a good amount of money that can be spent on practices. See, I'm so glad that my family is uh, so broke that like the only new age thing that I've had um, is meditation. And um, yeah, I'm really, really, really not anti-meditation. I think that sit still and think and focus on what's troubling you and think it out in a quiet room is kind of great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Meditation works. Yeah. And meditation is not strictly an Eastern. No. Practice. We, hell, I did it in Catholic school. It's very Western. It's did it again, at Catholic retreats. It's funny because every time that my therapists would propose meditation to me, it would always be with, now we don't want you to think this is ridiculous. I'm like, no, no. Number one, several of you have proposed this to me. And for the record, I'm just going to point out right now, the only reason I had to switch therapists was my therapist died. Um, not that I had bad issues with them. Um, but, but, you know, it's not ridiculous. It's highly effective. Sit still, breathe, and think focused thoughts is just logical. Um, also, they get, also I've always been uh, put on Prozac, so that's but that's not that's not any kind of new age stuff. That's just smart. Anyway, I'm just saying I've been lucky to avoid your stories, Zephyr. Though I still will be able to chime in with my thoughts on the new age in a moment. Some of the more out there therapies I I remember as a kid, my parents. They would try and do like their, they would homebrew their own shock machine. Mm, that sounds dangerous. Dad got blueprints off off the internet and basically put like tech stuff, uh, some copper tubes, and like the idea was you were supposed to hold the copper tubes for a certain length of time, and it would, I don't know, some some bullshit about you know negative energy or whatever but like it sounds like an e-reader or an e-machine it was very much a yeah it was very much like a primitive e e e-meter scientology thing that's horrifying but like this was homebrewed from like a empty diaper wipe box oh man and like they would have people over to try this stuff i would just like to point out that this is more ludicrous than anything that's in this film and this oh. is a satire. <laughs> but, I'm just talking about what I witnessed. That's I, what I, I know, and that's what I'm saying is, it's it's it, it's fascinating to me that Haynes makes this film that feels so. It, it's not that it feels extreme, but it it feels lacerating about something that, well, is worse in reality. Is my point. And don't well, don't think that you know. If this film didn't take place in the age of the internet, they wouldn't have, uh, you know, yeah, tried something like that. But yes, I'm afraid yeah. you're right. Yeah, because right now we're still dealing with the concept of using bleach as a body <laughs> cleanser. <laughs> I like you. You laugh, but this is yeah. primarily targeted towards parents force feeding force-feeding it to their autistic children. There is a liquid that makes uh, the symptoms of autism abate. It's called cider. It's better, I'm just going to argue, than bleach enemas. Yeah. I, I, I laugh because otherwise I would burst into tears. Yeah, we have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
bleach being mm-hmm. used as a cure is still marketed today. And Zephyr, don't undersell it. Bleach enemas. I want that horror to be stressed. Yeah. Yeah. Bleach. Well, you have that. And then, you know, what we've seen in the past year or so from the right and what Trump has said as ideas like ingesting disinfectant yeah a hush fell over the room when he suggested that yeah in a press conference yeah so we're all all vaccinated yeah yes we are (laughs) just gonna make a point just making a point there oh oh boy not we're gonna come back to that later because i i've got issues but yeah you you have a guy holding one of the highest offices in the land suggesting that you ingest disinfectant and then, you know, the hydroxychloroquine that's normally used on lupus, or I believe it's lupus. And then, of course, now you have people... Can, yes. The f- uh, fucking yeah. ivermectin. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, now, I have to say, there is a human version but people are trying to take the animal version, which does not pr- require a prescription. It is. I, I they are poisoning it. themselves. Yes, they are. <laughs> like, I saw a joke on, on Twitter where somebody drew, uh, like, based on the Mordecai meme where Mordecai is going around different pharmacies and it's telling Twilight that it's like, I'm sorry, babe, they're out of your medicine. I can't explain why. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. It's terrible. But it's also deeply hilarious. It's it so is. good. <laughs> it is. Um... But yeah, oh, I love that, it. This is, <laughs> the kind, this is the shit we're dealing with now. And it's not, and it's way more ludicrous than what happens in safe again i feel like haynes was trying to be extreme in this movie it's just that the problem with satire is you can never outpace reality humans keep topping themselves to quote to quote uh pat noswalt to a guy who a guy in his audience that worked for the onion how do you feel that reality takes a piss all over your job every day yeah, there's a reason that Oswald has turned very sharply to personal stories. It's just a sad reality. Yeah, it, it just all goes downhill from there until, like, like she finds one of those flyers at her uh, exercise center that asks, that's asking, are, are you allergic to the 20th century? And just kind of like that vague pseudoscience feel to, to it where it's like, I... I've been feeling these things, but I couldn't quite put a name to it. However, I'm not sure if this is thoroughly researched. And it's it's fascinating because I think I love that there's there's so much ambiguity in this film. God, there is so much ambiguity in this film. But like, I think Haynes wants us to think about the idea that it's a strange idea, but you know, pollution's a real thing. Mm-hmm. California in California it sure as hell is. It's not the worst idea you've ever heard. And I just I think it's fascinating that he goes on that route. Yeah. And it and it matches all the things that she experiences, which is the odd thing. Uh like, you know, driving behind like the diesel truck and having the smoke basically fill her car. Her going, 
But at the same time, it's one of those things where, well, yeah, that could exacerbate any condition that you have. Yeah. I mean, we've all been in that position. It Mm -hmm. sucks. Yeah. So, yeah, it is a weird balance the film strikes between, well, it could be this, but is it? It, Everything seems to match, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, there are just slow and quiet moments, but they're heightened even more so mostly in part to the cinematography because like the baby shower sequence where she just starts having breathing troubles and the camera sits there on her it's not kind of way to anything else you're in this space with her as she's suffering and you can't do a thing about it neither can she really yeah She's got a child sitting in her lap that's increasingly going, uh, um, um, mommy, get me away from this one. (laughs) Yeah, there are very few moments where uh, Carol isn't in the film, if you notice. Yeah, which fits because it's the idea that, I mean, obviously what the film is building to is how isolated she is, both emotionally and then literally by the end. It's, it's a really effective tool of keeping us, the viewer, feeling that. We're trapped with her, and we never get to get away from it. And it, it's just, it's like, it's like a magnifying glass on you. Oh, yeah. Like, there is one scene that I straight up cannot watch in in the film, and it's the, uh, the scene where she has the seizure at the laundromat. Yeah, yeah. I knew that was what you were going to bring up, because that one just... Because, again, well... The brother's got epilepsy. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can see that. And has had surgery to do, like, a the vagus nerve. Basically, like, some level of technology has been uh, surgically implanted in him, and it, it can uh, reset the brain's electricity if you swipe a magnet over it or something like that, which is costly, Not a lot of people can afford that, but that's what my parents decided to do on his behalf. But yeah, I I just straight up cannot watch that scene or any scene in general that involves epilepsy because it's absolutely fucking frightening to lose control of your body and to have that happen to someone else and you can't do shit about it. It's, it's one of the reasons that when we finally get to talking about Punch Drunk Love and how it depicts meltdowns, yeah, that, that, that very horrifying feeling of when everything just goes haywire, it's, it's terrifying. So I would love to talk about the New Age stuff. I would love to talk about that because this is where I'm going to jump in with some firsthand experience. And I mean literally from the moment when this film was happening. Um, I sent us... In the group chat, um, a picture of a metal pyramid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I is see a, now, yes. Yes, that is a church in Houston. I don't know if it's standing now. Um, I don't know. But it is a metal pyramid in Houston, Texas for a New Age church. Um, y'all, for a few years, I attended a New Age church. And let me tell you, those things are weird as hell. <laughs> those things yeah. are so weird. Uh, my mom was into Unity. And Unity is... It's Unitarian, basically. It's it's weird. It's kind of like all cultures, all... Listen, We Are the World was a hymn <laughs> in these, okay? Do you get the picture? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So any depiction of the New Age I never think is that ridiculous because nothing can seem ridiculous after you've attended church in a pyramid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just weird. And the weird spiritualism that doesn't make sense. It's all about angels and spirituality. It's basically, how can we take the warm, fuzzy parts of religion and strip out any of the ideas? Hmm. It's just too weird. And I don't know. Just doing it for the uh, hashtag aesthetic. Thank you. That's the thing. This was in downtown Houston, Texas. It didn't get much more for the aesthetic than that. Um, And I'm not trying to be critical of it. I'm sure it was lovely, but it was weird as shit. Uh, the only thing, the only really good thing that I remember is I got my copy of The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe there. Because nice. they had a bookstore. They had a bookstore. And that was cool as hell because Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe is a great book. I am, I am, a, I am actually a very huge C.S. Lewis fan. Screwtape Letters is one of my favorite books. But just, again, it's all for the aesthetic. You nailed it. And that's what I find so weird about all of it. And the, the movie nails that. The movie nails that. It's, it's all about empowerment and inner strength and it just it's all bullshit. Yeah, I part that hit me uh, like late, late, late in the film when they're like the head of the retreat resort, yeah, whatever it is. Run, Runwood. The yes, uh, yeah. yes, which we are very much getting to. But like he starts saying, you know, I've been reading this, this, and this. I'm starting to think this. And ladies and gentlemen. I have a confession I'd like to make. I've stopped reading the papers. I've stopped watching the news on TV. I've heard the media gloom and doom, and I've seen their fatalistic, negative attitude, and I finally realized once and for all, I don't need it. And so I transform that negative stimulus into something that will not do harm to me. Because if I really believe that life is that devastating, that destructive. I'm afraid that my immune system will believe it too, and I can't afford to take that risk. Neither can you. You know, if you're if you're here in this isolated place and you're still sick, it is your fault. It's like, wow, okay, yeah, you're going there, shit. Which is such a common thing in New Age scams. Is everything is, in theory, it's all empowerment because it's all about you and your power, but it's really about blaming you for your shit. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Not not just new age, but also multi level marketing. Because like, oh, mm. but like you know, it's funny you should say that. I've been uh, listening to uh, Multi Level Mondays. It's a YouTube channel, and this woman goes in and looks at multi level marketing, and yeah, it's exactly that. Multi level marketing and new age scams are the same thing. Often oh, yeah. they're the exact thing. Yeah, because like I saw the uh, Lula Row four-part documentary on on prime i still need to get to that because i'm i've heard it's insane yeah oh it is it is but just yeah those elements are there as well like there's one on uh hbo max right now where it's the weight loss church yeah i need to get to that too yeah it not all the episodes are up as of this recording they'll be added the the final parts will be at later but yeah the it just the idea of empowerment, but if you screw up, it it is indeed your fault. If if you're not being rewarded, it it must be something you're doing. And oddly enough, guess who hears that quite a lot? Mm-hmm. 
disabled people. Yep, sick people. Yes, I, I had a I had a friend who who was homeschooled, and they told me that part of their curriculum said that mental health problems were a result of sin. Oh God, a thing that is still being taught to this very day. So. Way to go, humanity. Way to go. You still suck. <laughs> I'm going to always be grateful that I was taught that. Like my, I was always taught that my autism was genetic. That, that's probably because the men up my line are all like obsessive about stuff. So I just. Yeah. Well, it's better than being raised in an anti-vax household. Zephyr, I'm still so sorry. Yeah, the, the idea that disability is a. Uh, a result of something that you have done upon yourself. And this movie really just rejects that so hard. It really wants you to know, no, 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 no. It is the world. It's, it's not you. It's not, it's frustrated. It's angry with this perspective. I mean, I, I think it really does come back to that idea of a woman not being believed. Mm -hmm. Even you in know? this place that's supposed to be so safe. Yeah. And from the outside world, it's like, no, no, you're just the same as everybody else. That's what I find so fascinating is that it really, I mean, again, the fact that Haynes was throwing these fists in this moment when this shit was so prevalent and for him to go, no, 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 this is all crap. But of course, can we talk about the other thing that the, the big specter that looms over this movie? Yep. Let's let's get to it because it's impossible. Like I feel like I've been unable to really make my points without we got to talk about it. All right. AIDS. AIDS. Ah. Do, 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 do. Everyone. AIDS. AIDS. Do, do, do. AIDS. A better song than anything in Rent. Yeah. But yes, AIDS this time. Something that actually fucking existed in this movie unlike Hedwig yeah AIDS is all over this movie and it makes sense when you know that Todd Haynes was a big time AIDS activist yes yeah. he was involved in ACT UP he, this was very serious for him this was near and dear to his heart uh, he's a gay man uh, he had many friends who were affected by it you have someone getting sick and they don't know what happened or why it's happening. Doctors are confused and the only possible known treatment are things that may or may not be medically sound. And I mean, this was set in 1987. 1987 was the moment where I feel like as a culture, we could no longer run and hide and pretend, Oh, it's, it's not a thing where it'll, it'll go away. It's just, if you examine the media of that time, it was the moment where, you know, for lack of a better word, straight America had to go, oh, shit, this is real. And that doesn't feel coincidental to me that that's when he set this film. Not at all. Because if you really go back in, I mean, again, I've done so much firsthand reading of newspapers and reporting and stuff. It's the moment where it started to affect straight people. So then straight people had to go, oh, no. Then they had to care. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah, it is really, it's it's real bad. It's real bad, people. AIDS itself being in the film, you have the, the leader at Renwood being someone who is affected by AIDS and thus 
giving a bit of credence to his leadership and his worldview when that may or may not be the case. There's a shot at, at Renwood where uh, you see the giant mansion overlooking the entire campus. That's the leader's house. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that always the case. It is. It's, it's, man, this, this movie understands cults so well. A subject I'm always fascinated by. And how, how do I say this? Uh, looking back on, on the film itself, I, I did a little bit of uh, research and the films that have a definite influence are uh, Chantel Ackerman's uh, Jean Dielman, 23 Quai du Commerce, 1080 Bruxelles. Uh, basically over three hours of watching this woman and being in the space with her as she slowly loses it. It's one of those where it, it just stays with you for a while. Yeah. It, it's haunting is, I think, the only appropriate. Yeah. So, yep, there's that. Uh, Michelangelo Antonioni's uh, Red Desert, which places romance against an industrial landscape. And personally, I thought it was just okay. I've never been never been much for him, so... Uh, to be honest, Antonioni's best film, at least of what I've seen, is Blow Up. Yeah. But Red Desert just kind of seemed a bit full of itself. Yeah, that's been my issue with his stuff. Yeah. And then Polanski's Repulsion. Yeah, I, ooh, I see that big time. Yeah. A again, women who are alienated in one form or another and just not having the right outlet to express that or just straight up not believed or ignored it's you know it's interesting because haynes is such a great i hate the term women's director but like because i know that one of his big influences is douglas sirk and he really is good at that he really is at touching on those things and at dealing with taking this stuff seriously when no one else is he also did milford pierce for tv just aside another work he did that's really good um and yeah, I mean, that idea, that, that horror of not being believed. And that's, that's the thing that unfortunately feels all the more relevant today. Yeah, because right now we've been in this pandemic for a long time. I'm still dealing with long COVID. I, I'm still getting brain fog some days thicker than others. My perception of time is just straight up warped. Yeah. And... Like, I try explaining it to people who are not necessarily sympathetic to disabled people, and they're just like, what what, what the actual hell are you talking about? Because right now, there are there's two people that were in my social circle, and I say were because um, reasons, right. that uh, have certain views, have refused the vaccine and have recently tested positive. Yeah. I know COVID is not going to change their outlook on things. No, no, that's no. the horrible things. We've seen it over and over again. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah, it absolutely doesn't. And what kills me is that one of these people has a wife 
who is very immunocompromised and requires like a very heavy air mask in public just to exist. And he's refusing the vaccine. Yet, despite, you know, knowing his wife would greatly benefit if everyone got vaccinated. But no, like, I'm just trying to picture a version of this movie set in today or even like a few years ago where misinformation is now all the more rampant. It would be unwatchable because it would just be too painful. And that's the thing. That's why this movie in existing in this form is so perfect for today because it's what we're dealing with now, but in a manageable dose. Yeah. Cause like Carol is getting her information from that flyer at, at the gym. And then we see like bits and pieces of, of a television program advertising uh, this practice that eventually leads to Renwood. Imagine, imagine this in the age of Dr. Oz who was just getting started at this time. So for uh Contextual reference, when did Dr. Oz go off the air? He has he's still on? Oh, he's yeah. still on. Oh, oh yeah, man. He's, he's as bad as ever. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, he didn't start his show for many years after this, but he started to get media attention about this time. Oh good lord. I hate him so much. Okay, well, there well, we that, go. There's a downer thought. <laughs> uh, it's worse now. There's shows like The Doctors. There's there's so many sources of misinformation and it drives people nuts behind the bastards has talked about a lot of this. Uh, and I recommend all of it behind uh, the bastards. Yeah. It's a great podcast. I recommend Interesting. it. Huh? Can we talk about the film's ending? Yes, please. Cause that's one where I just went. It's oh. nightmarish. Oh, that's where it ends. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. The ending where, uh, she goes into her, her geodesic dome, essentially. Pretty much. This porcelain igloo of sorts. Yeah, that's a good description of it. Because it's tiny and it's, um... Mm, it looks claustrophobic. She's removed from everything. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, you start the film in this immense house, ne- nicely furnished, you know, super high class, and it ends with her absolutely fucking miserable with with the oxygen tank and in this very spartan area in a place that is far removed from her home far removed from her family in the most isolated part of it yes and she's lost everything yeah. yeah and she's trying to love herself into health and no no you don't have to read very hard to see that this is not a happy ending. The part that gets me on that is just before that, when she's moving into it, where she's talking to her husband, who is trying very hard to be supportive. But he's like, so how how long do you think you'll be here? It's like, I don't know. I really yeah. don't know. And then you can tell he's visibly frustrated. But, you know, even even in this, you know, sort of loveless marriage, he's just like, what? I don't understand what's happening and I don't understand why you can't just come home. It's painful to watch. Yeah. Just saying those, I love you's to herself, her affirmations, but affirmations always sound like the chant of the insane, but what does it accomplish in the end? Yeah. Especially in these situations. Cause that her safe home now could very easily be her, 
her last living space because someone did die there. Exactly. Yeah, which is why it opened up. It's hard not to read that that's going to be her fate very soon. It's just that the movie's stopping before we get there. There's yeah. there's no hope. There's no it's not going to get better. This is a great film. Yeah. It's a film that has a lot to say. I'm really uh, glad we got to cover something that's thought provoking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It it's been one of those films where ever since I first watched it, it it's just stuck with me ever since. And that's and that's what Haynes does. He makes movies that stay with you and haunt you. It's, it's just him and he's great at it and he rocks. I need to watch more of his stuff. You do. You do. You really need to see Carol. It will move you. It's beautiful. And like I said, watch it, but don't review it for the first few days. Think about okay. it. Okay. You need let to let it sink do. in. Uh, I didn't want to derail the subject, but we're um, just a brief, brief aside. You know, when Zephyr, you brought up the like the, the healing service, Tab and I just watched Midnight Mass. Ooh, how's that? How how was that? It's good. Like it's a good. seven episode. Like it's very monologue-y. Cool, but it's it's not boring. I like Flanagan, so yeah, it's a slow burn. It's where it wants to go, but what? But it it gets there, sure enough. Cool. <laughs> where you think it's going, it gets there, and it's really well done. So, but anyway, just that's just a brief, brief, brief aside, because that ties into that. Yes. So yeah. Absolutely great film. Strongly recommend y'all check this one out. Thank you for listening. Uh, As always, like, subscribe, all that stuff. And smash that like button, y'all. No. Uh, (laughs) Theomniplex.org. Theomniplex.org. Thank you. I am finally looking at at the uh, Black Flame Nightmare on Elm Street novels. Yes. Look for all, look for all that good, good stuff. Good content. Uh, and uh yeah you can you can email us show suggestions love hate anything the omniplex podcast at gmail.com tweet tweet at us we are uh at the omniplex facebook.com slash the omniplex uh we we've got a page there see y'all next time folks Thank you.